0: Our scripture message this morning is from Mark 6 selected verses The apostles gathered around Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught He said to them come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest a while For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat And they did went they went away in the boat to a deserted place by themselves Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they hurried there on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. As he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. When they had crossed over, they came to a land at Genesaret and moored the boat when they got out of the boat, people at once recognized him and rushed about that whole region and began to bring the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, into villages or cities or farms, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might touch even the fringe of his cloak. And all who touched it were healed. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated.
1: Thank you for that reading, Reverend Stone. It is so good to be with all of you here this morning. Seeing your faces brings us joy. Those of you that I can't see your faces at home, welcome. You are a part of us, and we have good work to do and to keep doing together. Will you please join with me in prayer? Holy One, today we remember that you are a compassionate God. You saw the crowd, and you had compassion for them. May we receive your compassion, but not only that, may we also respond to your goodness, to your teaching, a teaching that instructs us how to extend hope and goodness wherever we go to. Give us this wisdom and courage, we pray, In the name of Christ, who is our Good Shepherd. Amen. We're exhausted. We're just so tired. We've been on our feet for so long that all we really want to do is to collapse into a chair or crawl into bed. Our bones and our backs ache, and we're hungry. Uh, Maybe you know what it's like when there isn't a moment to spare, when even taking a break to eat on the run seems like an unaffordable luxury. The demands just keep coming from every side, and just as soon as we think we've reached the end of it, There's more standing there, just waiting for us to pick up and push on. It's all too much. And here's the truth. Jesus sees the complete weariness, the lack of energy to do anything more despite every good intention, And so Jesus tells the disciples in today's gospel lesson, Come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest a while. As Mark narrates the story, the disciples had been ping-ponging from point to point in the Galilean countryside. Being sent out in pairs, the disciples had trekked from village to village, extending God's hope and healing. For as sacred as their work had been, it was sapping their energy. In more ways than one, it was getting the best of them. And to be sure, the disciples weren't always met with welcome and open arms. On the contrary, time and again they found refusal on the road. As Reverend Chambers beautifully described a couple of Sundays ago, the disciples were charged to shake off the dust whenever they were rejected, to keep on going, paying it no mind whenever they were met with closed doors and hearts. In our passage today, the disciples return from their challenging journeys. They're together again with Jesus, And Jesus can see that even their best efforts to keep going and to shake it off had resulted in holy fatigue. Come away and rest, he says to them. It isn't good for you to stay here like this. And what's more, you can't go there to what's next in this state. Neither here nor there is suitable for your soul. You need a middle place, something in between, so that you can take your rest to tend to your soul. After all, Mark will soon paint the three-and-a-half-mile stretch along the western shoreline of the Sea of Galilee with a crammed crowd that's weaving to get close to the wonder-working Jesus. In fact, much of this section of Mark looks like an Impressionist painting in my imagination with human movement and emotion being captured with rapid and unblended brush strokes in the plain seaside air. Mark writes that many were coming and going and they, the disciples, had no leisure even to eat. And so the disciples separate from this busy blur. They climb into a boat and shove off and away from the crowds that are shoving in. It's interesting how Mark describes what happens next. He writes, "...and they went away in the boat to a deserted place by themselves." It seems ambiguous in the text whether the boat is merely their transportation to a quiet place or whether the boat itself is to be understood as their place of retreat. Mark tells us that they go to a deserted place. Now, if we read carefully and closely, we are beckoned to remember all of the deserted places in Mark's gospel. Mark's gospel begins in a deserted place. John the Baptist and Jesus are in the wilderness, and we are told in the first chapter that all the people of Jerusalem are going out to him. Jesus' story in Mark begins with holy commotion. Shortly after, Jesus is tested in the wilderness in another deserted place, I'm convinced Mark is telling us something important about deserted places. In each of these locations, and in our passage today, it's the same Greek word that's used for desert or wilderness. In part, Jesus is being intentional. He's, depicting, he's depicted alongside the memory of Moses, who led, like a shepherd, the people through the deserted place, holding out hope and deliverance, the deliverance of God even in the wilderness. And even more, I think Mark is reminding us that our rest and separation is not merely for us to recharge and recuperate, but it's also for us to be prepared for something more, for what's next. The wilderness is where Jesus' ministry begins, and the wilderness is where Jesus readies to re-encounter the crowds. In Mark chapter 6, Jesus is with the disciples in a wilderness, Will they will soon be met by yet another swarming crowd. As an aside, you've probably heard me say before that water and the sea in the ancient world, these were symbolized as places of chaos and upheaval. In the ancient world, water and wind were rightly feared. Storms could whip up in an instant to threaten and and capsize without even the faintest warning. Throughout history, the boat has been a frequent symbol for the church, with an awareness that the people of God must always find a way to be faithful in the midst of the crashing waves and the threatening winds of every age. The church, like Peter, must always venture to stay afloat by the guiding hand of God on the turbulent seas of life. In war or peace, in feast or famine, in plague or pandemic, the work of the church goes on. And so here, the careful reader of Mark's story is reminded of the account earlier in the narrative when the disciples are caught in a storm on the same Galilean Sea. In Mark chapter 4, verse 38, the disciples wake a sleeping Jesus with the words, Do you not care that we are perishing? You can almost hear it in the text. Where is your compassion? Then and now, the disciples find that even their going away is not an escapist retreat, from the hazards and harsh realities of life. In all of this, I'm trying to emphasize that the boat and the desert were not mindless places. Yes, they were places of rest, but they were also places of meaning and transition. When I was in seminary, I had a terrific class with a Jewish rabbi who often spoke about the importance of transitional places in our lives. He frequently talked about liminal spaces. A liminal space is a threshold, an an in-between space, or a doorway between what was and what's coming next. Uh, The liminal space is that brief window between, between things, between everything, when you're neither here nor there. I think it's funny how we use that phrase, neither here nor there. It's, it's usually used as an off-handed way of saying that this thing, idea, or time, it, it doesn't really matter. It, it's neither here nor there. But here's the point. If we pay attention to the liminal spaces, to the in-between transition moments, we'll often learn something of deep value. And Richard Rohr's book, Everything Belongs, He describes the liminal experience like this. All transformation takes place here. We have to allow ourselves to be drawn out of the business-as-usual and remain patiently on the threshold where we are betwixt and between the familiar and the completely unknown. There alone is our world left behind, While we are not yet sure of the new existence, that's a good space where genuine newness can begin. Get there often and stay as long as you can by whatever means possible. It's the realm where God can best get at us because our false certitudes are finally out of the way. This is the sacred space where the old world is able to fall apart and the bigger world is revealed. If we don't encounter liminal spaces in our lives, we start idealizing normalcy. The threshold is God's waiting room. Here we are taught openness and patience as we come to expect an appointment with the divine doctor." End quote. Now, Roar's words were written more than 25 years ago when our world was different from today. And yet, despite his words being dated, I find them to be strikingly fresh. And if you'll let me say something more pointed, I'm left wondering how much we've allowed the past year and a half to be a transformational season. Have we, have you, longed for the sacred and the transformational experience? Or have we, have you, simply longed for a return to normal? I know that many of you have grown in being betwixt and between the old normal and the new horizon, but not everyone has grown. We haven't all, or at least we haven't always, been at our best in encountering the liminal spaces. Author and church leadership consultant Susan Beaumont observes that liminal spaces occur after, quote, a period in which a person, group, or order is stripped of the identity and status that previously defined it. She goes on to define a liminal space as a disorienting period of non-structure or anti-structure that opens new possibilities no longer based on old status or power hierarchies. New identities are explored and new possibilities are considered. For Beaumont, one of the ultimate strengths of being attentive to the liminal periods is that this process can refocus reform, and reorient us for what's next. When we pay attention to the in-between, when we're open to the possibility of transformation, we have the potential to cultivate a new identity and to enter into new structures that are more appropriately suited to that emerging identity and the changing world that's all around us. Beaumont concludes, quote, The natural human response is to resist liminality and to strive backward to the old familiar identity or forward to the unknown identity. The ambiguity and disorientation are at times so heightened that the very work required to move forward becomes impossible to engage." Did you catch that? our natural tendency can be to go back to what isn't the same anymore. Or we can be tempted to go forward without having been reoriented for the new and unprecedented work at hand. I'm convinced that a part of effective leadership and success requires us to pay attention and to learn from these in-between moments that are all around us as a church and community in order to lead, transform, and build something of enduring value in the chapters that are currently unfolding and that will continue to unfold. As I read it, Mark's gospel doesn't just hold a lesson for a church in COVID. It's a potent reminder that our success or failure in embracing the work that's still ahead is dependent on upon how we're being transformed in the present. Did you notice what comes next in our gospel reading for today? Jesus and the disciples go away, but they also come back to the crowds again. When they return to the shoreline, people are ready and waiting, longing to hear some good news, to reach out and touch something divine that will transform the mundane, the grief, and the pain of the present. In describing their return to the shore, our passage says that Jesus saw the crowd and he had compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things." As we read it, the in-between space precedes Jesus and his disciples recognizing the crowd. Coming back from the deserted place, Jesus is then able to see the needs of others. And upon seeing others, Jesus is filled with compassion. And from this compassion, Jesus teaches the crowd how to follow in the life-giving way of God. If you want to know what the church needs to do today, I don't know that we could find a better model to follow than we find in this passage. People of Peachtree, friends, leaders, and those who are traveling with us on the way, we are standing on a shoreline. Our present and future are awash with new structures, possibilities, and new challenges. Now is not the time to look backward or to charge unknowingly and brashly into the future with all of our old habits and instincts intact. Now is the time to be transformed for the sake of our common health and common mission. So take your rest when you need it. May you find a quiet and deserted place in order to tend to your soul, but know that there is work to do on the other side of your rest. Don't let your being neither here nor there be meaningless or without purpose. Let us lean into the liminal periods May we be transformed by the in-between moments, and not just for ourselves and for our leisure alone. May we be transformed so that we can join together as a church that sees others, that extends compassion, and that teaches the good way of God. And I wouldn't be surprised if this good way will begin neither here nor there but exactly where we are. Amen.